grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We're starting the fourth week of our sermon series uh, titled Foundations in our Life Group Campaign. There are, o- there are over 1,200 people from infants up to folks in their 90s that are studying God's Word in all sorts of life groups connected to St. John's throughout the week. It's something cool, something to be uh, proud of. And churches throughout the United States are also doing our study as well, going back and returning to the foundations. And so if you're not part of a life group, there's no problem. Pick one of these up on the way out. You can start a life group. Just grab a friend and do the study together. It's not rocket science. Vicar Trevor, soon to be pastor. Trevor. Uh, He created a family component in here. It's a great way to bless your family as well. So I encourage you to grab those materials. And we're focusing, as you know, on foundations. And ultimately, the foundation is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3.11, we've been coming back to this verse. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Christ is our foundation. Jesus is our rock. And so we've been looking at the foundational words and gifts that Jesus gives us. First week, we started out with the story, God's big story, and how we fit into his story of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Then we went to the word of God. Now, important is this for us to build our foundation on God's word and how we need to grab the sword of the spirit with our whole hand, our whole being. Last week, Pastor Bob talked about the gathering. The gathering we call weekly worship, how we were created for this rhythm to work and to rest, to work and to rest. God did it, so should we. We gather together as God's people. This week we talk about the foundation, the water that we find in baptism where water and word come together in a powerful way. And I don't know if you remember last week, Pastor Bob talked about when we worship, there's basically two things going on. One thing is that God is coming down to us, and the other thing is that we're going up to God. Baptism is one of those things where God is coming down to us. God is giving to us his grace and his mercy. He's giving us identity. He's giving us life in Jesus. Water and the word. Water is a powerful thing, right? I mean, water can go both ways. Water, on the one hand, it can kill and devastate, but on the other hand, It is so powerful that it can also give life. We look at the recent flooding that happened in Louisiana. Powerful water, right? Pastor Nathan just got back with a group of people that went out there to rebuild all the damage that was caused by the water, the flooding. People died, houses and communities destroyed. It was devastating. Water is powerful. Hurricane Matthew, tsunamis, rainstorms, the vast powerful ocean. Water can literally kill. I remember the first time I went to Mavericks up in Half Moon Bay. Anybody ever been to Mavericks up there at Half Moon Bay? I mean, the, there's, some of the waves are 60 feet tall there in the wintertime. I mean, it's just the raw power of the water. Many surfers have lost their lives trying to surf those waves. Water is powerful. On the other hand, water can also give life. And in any ways, water is the most essential element of life. Pastor Bob had a quote from W.H. Auden. He said, thousands have lived without love, but no one has lived without water. Now, we might want to debate his words a bit, but he's got a point. No one can live. We cannot live without water. Water is a basic element of human existence. In fact, for all life. I was just reading an article the other day by some scientists talking about whenever we find water, we find life. That's why NASA scientists, they get all pumped up if they think they can find water on Mars, because if there's water there, then they're going to find some sort of life. 
We need water. We drink water every day to live. I mean, have you ever tried to go a day without water? We need water. We give water to our plants and our animals that feed and sustain us. We use water for all sorts of things to clean and to refresh and to make new. Water is life. Water can kill and water can make alive. Water can take life. Water can give life. And we look in the Old Testament, we see all sorts of places where water is sort of used in this death life scenario. We look at the great flood of Noah. The great flood of Noah took a lot of life, yet through that flood, God preserved Noah and his family and his people. We look at the Israelites in the Red Sea. That water killed Pharaoh and his soldiers, but it gave life and delivered Moses and the Israelites, preserving the people of God, granting them freedom. Water kills, water makes alive. And we see that very truth come alive so powerfully in the gift of baptism. Romans chapter 6, last night I baptized two little cute little babies, three months and nine months old. They were so uh, precious. We held them, we washed the water over them as family. We gathered together. We brought the gift of baptism and God's grace to their lives in a powerful way. And we read those words from Romans chapter 6 that we read at every baptism. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Look at the death and the life contrast. Verse 3, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Something died when we were baptized. Our old sinful self was crucified in a way. In Christ's death for us, it broke the power of sin over our lives. Sin no longer determines our existence. We're like citizens who have been liberated from a long and oppressive dictatorship. Something has been done to us. A liberator has broken in and broken the power of tyranny. One theologian, he likes to talk about it this way. He, his name is Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he has an analogy. And I think I've shared this with some of you before. He has this analogy of like two fields, and he says, consider a typical British countryside where you see the, the nice fields and the big brick walls that they build up around these fields. He says that everyone is sort of born into one field. It's that field that's dominated by Satan and sin, a field ruled by that. But Christ comes down, God comes down, the Father comes down and lifts us up. And takes us out of that field and puts us into the adjacent field that's ruled by Christ and it's ruled by righteousness. A big time change happens into our position, in our standing, in our relationship to sin. He points out on the one hand, we are here in this new life, this new existence, but we can still hear the deceiver on the other side of the wall. He's still shouting out things to us and sometimes we still listen to him. Sometimes we still obey his voice even though we don't have to because we live over here. He talks about how as we grow and mature and God works and the Holy Spirit works, we grow farther and farther from that wall and the voice of the deceiver grows fainter and fainter until finally that last day comes when Jesus unites us with himself and we rise like him. As it says in Romans 6, 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse 5, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. In baptism, the effects of Christ's death and his resurrection, they are given to us. We are given new life. Just like Christ rose from the grave, so too will we. 
We're given that life in baptism. We have a new reality that we will live forever, and it shapes and affects our lives here and now. But how? How do we build ourselves upon that foundation? How do we let that reality given to us in baptism shape our lives here and now? The first thing we do is we always got to remember, like Pastor Bob said last week, that baptism is one of those things where God comes to us. It's not us going to God. It's all his gift. It's all his grace. Just like we were born, we had nothing to do with our own births. It's just like that with baptism, our rebirth. It's all God's work. I remember I baptized a number of years ago a young lady up in Los Angeles County. She was in her 20s. She came to baptism later on in life, and she'd gone through a lot in her life, a lot of darkness, a lot of brokenness in her life. And I I still remember the day. I still remember baptizing her. I looked straight into her eyes, and I said, no one or nothing can ever take away the reality that is about to be given to you, no matter what tragedy or trial or brokenness you have gone through or is in your life right now or that's going to come into your life. Even death itself cannot take this reality away. I said, you will always be able to cling to the work that God is doing in your life right now, that you are a baptized child of God, that you're joined to Jesus, to his death and to his resurrection. It's the most powerful water that you will ever experience. It's just a little bit, but with, combined with God's word, it is more powerful than any hurricane, any tsunami, any flood, any water you've ever experienced. Those words, they sunk deep into her heart and tears were rolling down her eyes and we baptized her in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And she had a foundation, a new life, a new birth, an eternal cleansing, a new identity that no matter what happens, she can always say, I am baptized. I'm united with Christ. His reality is my reality. His identity is my identity. His life is my life. I have a future and I have a hope. You see, in baptism, we don't just have a new attitude or some sort of better philosophy, but we have a flood of righteousness that washes over us and through us, giving us hope and identity and future. And we have to tell ourselves that every day. I am baptized. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I am baptized. We tell ourselves the truth. We remind ourselves every day of who we are. 500 years ago, there was a priest, and he struggled with life like all of us do. He had times when he was filled with doubt, despair, depression, anxiety. He had times when he was tormented by his own inadequacies and insecurities and questions just like all of us. And he said when that would overwhelm him, when that would come upon him, he would take a piece of chalk, he would go over to the table, and he would write out these words, baptizatus sum. It's Latin for I am baptized. The name of that priest is Martin Luther. And he would remind himself of that daily, that he is baptized and no one or no thing, even death itself, could not change that reality. You see, the reality is that all of us have those times in our lives, times when we we let the lies that we hear out there, we let them have a home within our being. And when we do that, we're filled with doubt, we're filled with despair, we're filled with anxiety, we're filled with shame at all the things that we've done wrong, and we think that God's grace couldn't be for me. It's at those times that Martin Luther would say, you need to bolt yourself down to the foundation that you've been given in the gift of baptism, and you declare, I am baptized. 
I hope that you'll go home tonight and you'll find your baptism certificate. And if you uh, don't have it already framed, I hope you go out and spend a whole ton of money on getting that thing framed and put it up in your house somewhere. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also, right? And you look at that each day and remind yourself that I am a baptized child of God. If you were baptized as an adult, I hope that you're thinking about that day right now and thanking God for it. If you were baptized as a child, I hope that you'll talk to your parents or your sponsors and and be reminded of that awesome day. Look at your baptism certificate. Be grateful and thankful for it. My baptism certificate, the first one I had, it was stolen. For some reason, we had it in our safe in our house. And somebody robbed our house, stole the safe, and the baptism certificate was gone. But Pastor Geisler was still around. It was a number of years ago. He baptized me, 1974. And so we got a new one. I've showed this picture to you before. Uh, There it is. It's certifiable. I was baptized, okay? I wanted you to make sure that. And uh, it's even got the gold seal from St. John's right down there. And I was looking at that this past week. And actually, the other night, I was... uh, I was, you know, not feeling too well. I was kind of feeling a little bit down, kind of going through, I don't know, some sort of funk. Maybe it had to do with the fact that I've been doing taxes all week long because I'm one of those guys that files for an extension each year. And I think that contributed. But I just wasn't feeling too well about stuff. And I was just, uh, you know, and other things were coming into my life. And I looked up and I looked over and I saw my baptism certificate. I saw my wife's. And I just kind of felt this peace come over me and said, man, nothing else really matters I'm a baptized child of God. I look at that certificate, and I saw Pastor Geisler's name, and it made me think, and I think I've told you guys this story before. Back in 2000, that was like 16 years ago, I can't believe that, I saw Pastor Geisler down at a uh, workshop for us pastors, and I went up to him, and I talked to him a bit, and I said, I don't know if you remember, but you baptized me, Pastor John. Uh, and of course, he baptized thousands of people, so he didn't remember it. And, uh, and he said, he looked at me, and he said, well... It looks like it took pretty well. (laughs) And I said, you better believe it sure did. And I remember 10 years later, sitting up in the balcony of our sanctuary. I'd come for a funeral, and Pastor John Geisler uh, had died, gone to be with his Lord. And there we were in the sanctuary where I had been baptized by Pastor John. Soon to be Pastor Trevor was baptized by Pastor John there. Anybody else baptized by Pastor John over in the sanctuary? Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. He had baptized so many people, and there we were in that same sanctuary remembering his baptism, remembering his identity. It was so powerful because a couple years ago, I was doing a a funeral down at the cemetery, a graveside service. I was walking around like I do before and after, and I was visiting my, my dad's grave. I was visiting my my sister's grave and her mom's grave, and then I found Pastor John Geisler's grave, and there it was. And you know, on our gravestones, we usually put our most notable achievements. We put the things that we've accomplished and, and we've earned and we've done. And you've seen this before, I know. Here's what Pastor Geisler said. It said, Baptizatus sum. I am baptized. Love that. Pastor John, Pastor Geisler's sermons from his grave is that your most notable achievement in life has already arrived and you did nothing to earn it. It was achieved for you and placed on you and washed over you and flooded over you in baptism. 
And when we remind ourselves of that, we remind ourselves that whether we're rich or whether we're, we're poor or whether we have a lot or whether we're in need, we can always say, I am baptized. Whether we're filled with doubt and despair or whether we have hope and faith and joy, we can always declare, I am baptized. Whether I'm young and healthy and strong or I'm old and sick and weak, I can always declare, I am baptized. Not, I was baptized, but I am baptized. And when everything is stripped away in our lives, and when we're on our deathbeds, and when all we have left is our baptism, then, my friends, we have everything we ever needed because we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. It's who we are. You are a baptized child of God. And that, my friends, is a foundation that you can build your entire life in existence on. I put the sign of the cross upon our little babies last night. I'd love to do that to my kids. I'd like to place that cross upon you. Receive the sign of the cross upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.